It's March 2nd. This is the One Year Bible Tour. My name's David McAdam, and it's so good to be sharing this time together with you. So glad you could tune into this podcast. We are reading through the entire Bible in the year with daily portions from the Old and New Testaments, the Book of Psalms, and the Book of Proverbs. Today we'll be reading about the law of the kinsman redeemer in the book of Leviticus, and also we'll be discovering Jesus' true mission as we continue our readings in the Gospel of Mark. Let's start by reading in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 25, beginning with verse 47 where we left off. This is about redeeming a poor man. If a stranger or sojourner with you becomes rich, and your brother beside him becomes poor, and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner with you, or to a member of the stranger's clan, then, after he is sold, he may be redeemed. One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle or his cousin may redeem him, or a close relative from his clan may redeem him, or, if he grows rich, he may redeem himself. He shall calculate with his buyer from the year when he sold himself to him until the year of jubilee and the price of his sale shall vary with the number of years. The time he was with his owner shall be rated as the time of a hired worker. If there are still many years left, he shall pay proportionately for his redemption some of his sale price. If there remain but a few years until the year of Jubilee, he shall calculate and pay for his redemption in proportion to his years of service. He shall treat him as a worker hired year by year. He shall not rule ruthlessly over him in your sight. And if he is not redeemed by these means, then he and his children with him shall be released in the year of Jubilee. For it is to me that the people of Israel are servants. They are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Chapter 26 Blessings for Obedience You shall not make idols for yourselves, or erect an image or pillar, and you shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the fields shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest, and the grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing. And you shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land securely. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old store kept long, and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke, and made you walk erect. Punishment for Disobedience Verse 14 But if you will not listen to me, and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes, and if your soul abhors my rules, 
so that you will not do all my commandments, but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease and fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you, and you shall flee when no one pursues you. And if in spite of this you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins, and I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze, and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield its increase, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. Then, if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins, and I will let loose the wild beasts against you, which shall bereave you of your children and destroy your livestock and make you few in number so that your roads shall be deserted. And if by this discipline you are not turned to me but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you, and I myself will strike you sevenfold for your sins, and I will bring a sword upon you that shall execute vengeance for the covenant. And if you gather within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. When I break your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in a single oven, and shall dole out your bread again by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. But if in spite of this you will not listen to me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you in fury, and I myself will discipline you sevenfold for your sins." You shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters, and I will destroy your high places, and cut down your incense altars, and cast your dead bodies upon the dead bodies of your idols, and my soul will abhor you. And I will lay your cities waste, and will make your sanctuaries desolate, and I will not smell your pleasing aromas. And I myself will devastate the land, so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled at it. And I will scatter you among the nations, and I will unsheath the sword after you, and your land shall be a desolation, and your cities shall be a waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths, as long as it lies desolate, while you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall have rest, the rest that it did not have on your Sabbaths when you were dwelling in it. And as for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a driven leaf shall put them to flight, and they shall flee as one flees from the sword, and they shall fall when none pursues. They shall stumble over one another as if to escape a sword, though none pursues, and you shall have no power to stand before your enemies, and you shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And those of you who are left shall rot away in your enemies' lands because of their iniquity, and also because of the iniquities of their fathers, they shall rot away like them. But if they confess their iniquity, and the iniquity of their fathers in their treachery that they committed against me, and also in walking contrary to me, so that I walked contrary to them, and brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled, and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. 
but the land shall be abandoned by them, and enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. And they shall make amends for their iniquity, because they spurned my rules, and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them, neither will I abhor them, so as to destroy them utterly, and break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. And I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes and rules and laws that the Lord made between himself and the people of Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai. Chapter 27 Laws About Vows The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, If anyone makes a special vow to the Lord involving the valuation of persons, then the valuation of a male from twenty years old up to sixty years old shall be fifty shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. If the person is a female, the valuation shall be thirty shekels. If the person is from five years old up to twenty years old, the valuation shall be for a male twenty shekels, and for a female ten shekels. If the person is from a month old up to five years old, the valuation shall be for a male five shekels of silver, and for a female the valuation shall be three shekels of silver. And if the person is sixty years old or over, then the valuation for a male shall be fifteen shekels, and for a female ten shekels. And if someone is too poor to pay the valuation, then he shall be made to stand before the priest, and the priest shall value him. The priest shall value him according to what the vower can afford. If the vow is an animal that may be offered as an offering to the Lord, all of it that he gives to the Lord is holy. He shall not exchange it or make a substitute for it, good for bad or bad for good. And if he does in fact substitute one animal for another, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. And if it is any unclean animal that may not be offered as an offering to the Lord, then he shall stand the animal before the priest, and the priest shall value it as either good or bad. As the priest values it, so shall it be. But if he wishes to redeem it, he shall add a fifth to the valuation. That concludes our reading from the Old Testament. The first law we read about today is the law of the kinsman redeemer. Leviticus chapter 25, verses 47 to 55. There are a number of provisions in the law for those who come upon difficult situations that result in poverty. A poor person could be redeemed by a member of the family, a blood relative. This person would be known as a kinsman redeemer. Now if the means of a stranger or of a sojourner with you become sufficient, and a countryman of yours becomes so poor with regard to him as to sell himself to a stranger who is sojourning with you, or to the descendants of a stranger's family, then he shall have redemption right after he has been sold. One of his brothers may redeem him. Leviticus 25, verses 47 to 48. This law pertains to the responsibility and right of a kinsman to act on behalf of a suffering relative who has become impoverished or indebted to a stranger. This will become an important provision for those who come upon difficult times in Israel. Unlike the law of the Jubilee year, a law which has prophetic significance, but according to historians no record of being implemented, the laws pertaining to a kinsman redeemer are put into practice 
in the book of Ruth. This law and the law of the Leveret marriage in Deuteronomy chapter 25 verses 5 to 6 will make it possible for the inheritance lost to the household of Elimelech, translated literally, God is my king, to be restored through his cousin Boaz. This provision will also bring a Gentile named Ruth from Moab into the inheritance of Israel and bring forth a child by Boaz named Obed, who will be the great-grandfather of King David and the ancestor of Jesus of Nazareth. More on that exciting story when we get to the book of Ruth as we read through the Bible. This law also anticipates the gospel. Our common ancestors, Adam and his wife, forfeited their inheritance and fellowship with God, selling their birthright to a stranger, Satan, disguised as a shining one. The Hebrew word for serpent is derived from enchanter. To him, they have become slaves through sin, incurring a debt that is beyond their measure to pay. Only a kinsman who had sufficient means, who himself had no debt of sin or slavery to Satan, could redeem them. God's Son would become a man and thereby a kinsman to the human race, yet without sin he pays the debt in full. The claim is settled on all sides, and the oppressed go free. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he, that is Jesus himself, likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. We have also learned how Jesus paid our debt to God's holy law by fulfilling the law on our behalf that we might go free from the law's condemnation. In Leviticus chapter 26, we learn of the blessings of obedience. In verses 1 through 13, the list of blessings follows repeated warnings. First, do not make idols for yourselves. Idols take the place of God and control your lives, your time, your energy, your money, your devotion. Our culture has the habit of bowing down before lawless celebrities and slick marketing campaigns. We can easily trade in our birthright and serve strangers. Hear the words again, you shall not make for yourselves idols. The second repeated warning is, you shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. The Sabbath was an old covenant sign for Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12, Also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that they may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. The New Testament never renews the Sabbath command, but introduces Jesus as the Sabbath giver, the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who gives perpetual rest. In the Old Testament, the Gentile nations are never commanded to keep the Sabbath, nor are they criticized for not doing so. The enjoining of Israel to keep the covenant was a preparation and a means whereby the keeping of the covenant by the Messiah would be recognized. It is also a reminder that by Jesus keeping the covenant on our behalf, perfectly fulfilling the law, we who are identified with him by faith receive the benefits of every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Ephesians 1.3 he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Jesus' perfect obedience merits the blessings of the covenant. Let's look at the earthly blessings promised to an obedient Israel. Remember, Israel means 
ruled by God. There's rains in their season in verse 4, fruitfulness in verse 5, more than adequate food supply in verse 5, security, safety, and peace in the land in verses 5 through 6. Against the odds, you will prevail against enemies in verses 7 to 8. An enlarged population in verse 10, God's attention will be given them, His tabernacle will be set among them, and He guarantees their acceptance in verses 9 and 11. His covenant promise in verse 12 is, I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. The Lord signs off on these promises with His personal signature, Blessed be His name. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would not be their slaves, and I broke the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. Next we read about penalties to the disobedient. Now we examine the penalties given to the disobedient Israel. As we read through the Bible, we will see how some of these penalties come to pass in their history. The Lord says, I will appoint over you a sudden terror. That's terrorism in verse 16. Consumption and fever, wasting away eyes, causing the soul to pine away in verse 16. Wasted crops, goods consumed by enemies in verse 16. Defeat by enemies, ruled over by those who hate them, creating a paranoia in verse 17. Sevenfold chastisement in verse 18. Humiliation, that is breaking down their pride of power. Famine in the land, a lack of fruitfulness, which was described as a sky like iron and an earth like bronze. A second set of penalties is promised if they act with hostility towards God and are unwilling to obey Him. There will be increased plagues among them, seven times more according to their sins, in verse 21. Wild animals, death of children, destroyed livestock, and reduced populations, in verse 22. If there is no repentance after the second round of chastisement, he warns of violent attacks in verse 25 and pestilence in the cities. They will be delivered into their enemies' hands in verse 25. Rationing of bread and lingering hunger in verse 26. If following this there is no repentance, the result will be sevenfold increase of chastisement, hunger that leads to cannibalism in verse 29. Destruction of false worship with their death on the altars of their idols in verse 30. Destruction of cities and sanctuaries in verse 31. Desolation of the land in verse 32. And their dispersal to the nations in verse 33. Verse 34 is an actual prophecy of the Babylonian captivity which would happen centuries later. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbaths all the days of the desolation while you are in the enemy's land. Leviticus 26, verses 34 to 35. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbaths all the days of the desolation, while you are in your enemy's lands. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the days of its desolation it will observe the rest which it did not observe on your Sabbaths while you were living on it. This verse is quoted in Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 21 and combined with Jeremiah's prophecy in Jeremiah 25.11 that the captivity would last 70 years. It is evident that Israel neglected giving the land a Sabbath for many years, possibly missing 70 sabbatical years. Leviticus 26 verse 36 reminds us that those who remained behind in the land during the captivity 
will live in extreme fear so that they flee when no one is pursuing them. They will have no strength to stand up against their enemies, in verse 37, and they will perish and rot away among the nations, and their enemies' lands will consume them. Next we read the promise to the repentant, in verses 40 to 45. If they confess, or if their uncircumcised hearts are humbled so that they make amends for their iniquity, I will remember my covenant to Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham, and I will remember the land. The land will make up for its stolen Sabbaths. The rules of valuation of one's discharge from voluntary dedication, written about in chapter 27. The equal requirement of the shekel of the sanctuary demonstrates that all souls are of equal value before God. In Exodus chapter 38, verse 26. What is discussed in Leviticus 27 are voluntary vows made in divine service. A vow is a promise made voluntarily to God. It is a commitment made to do something that is beyond the requirements of the law in some way. This kind of dedication is not wrong, but it can be made foolishly, as in Jephthah's case. In the book of Judges, chapter 11, verses 30 through 31, Hannah made a vow regarding the son that God would cause her to bear. These vows were made out of gratitude. When vows are made, however, they are to be kept. Vows are taken seriously by God. A vow was to be considered as binding as an oath. In the cases put forth in Leviticus chapter 27, some vows could be discharged by giving the cash value of what had been dedicated. In some cases, about which we are not given much information, the special vow, a voluntary pledge made beyond the requirement of the law, is permitted to be discharged if its enactment is proven to be disrupting to other responsibilities required by the law. For example, Jesus condemned a man who professed to be dedicating his money to the Lord, but did so thinking that he should be relieved of his responsibility to care for his parents, in Mark chapter 7, verse 11. In the case of this extraordinary vow being found difficult, and from which a person needed to be redeemed, they are to pay, in redemption silver, the value assessed by the law. The price to discharge a vow varied for the men and women employed in divine service due to the jobs they were able to perform. Men were to pay fifty shekels to discharge a vow during the working years of their lives, from age twenty to age sixty. Females, thirty shekels. Males aged between five and ten, such as the child Samuel in 1 Samuel 1.11, if they were discharged, would be twenty shekels. Females, ten under five years old to a month, five shekels for the male, three for the female. Animals that were dedicated to the Lord could not be exchanged. The priest will have to value those who are too poor to pay the valuation. Only he could rightly assess their worth in service. G. Campbell Morgan comments, Our devotion to the Lord should be complete, because for that he asks. We need add no vow of extra devotion, because we have no extras to offer. Let us ever remember that we cannot ransom ourselves from bondage to Him. Now reading from the New Testament, Mark chapter 10, verses 32 to 52. Jesus foretells His death a third time. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, He began to tell them what was to happen to Him, saying, See, 
we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, and spit on him, and flog him, and kill him, and after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and the other at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. But Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. That concludes our New Testament reading. Jesus once again is telling his disciples of his impending death. He had told them on two previous occasions that he would be killed and would rise on the third day. In Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 32, in Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 31. With each prediction, more details are added. First, the disciples learn about his suffering at the hands of the Jewish religious leaders in Mark 8:31. Then they will learn he will be betrayed in Mark 9:31. And now in Mark chapter 10, Jesus reveals that both the Jews and the Gentiles will have him killed. For the first time, they learn that he will be killed during his time in Jerusalem. Other details are added. He will be mocked, spat upon, and scourged. Each prediction Jesus gives of his crucifixion includes the resurrection three days later. And with each prediction, Jesus views this not as an unfortunate misunderstanding or an accident. The cross is central to his mission. It is why he came. Most importantly, Jesus lets his disciples know, and us, that his death would accomplish something. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, we learn, he will give his life a ransom for many. In the next incident, we learn that Jesus is not our errand boy, but he's the ransoming servant. In verse 35, 
James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Don't we often feel that way? The truth is that God is too good to answer all of our prayers the way we want them to be answered. Jesus does not rebuke their request, but digs deeper. He asks, What do you want me to do for you? Their request is one that they all agreed upon. They wanted to be with him at his side in glory. It's an understandable request, but notice Jesus' response. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? The disciples had no idea what they were talking about. They replied, We are able. Indeed, they would drink the cup of suffering and be baptized into his death in the future, but they were not in the least qualified to bear the sins of the world upon them and atone for sins. Jesus knows that the Father makes the choices of who will sit on his left and right in the kingdom. Jesus knows that the Father has these matters in hand. Jesus explains the ambition of those who are to travel with him and be at his side. Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So let us walk in the authority and privilege that's been given to us as servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 45, verses 1 to 17, my heart is overflowing with a beautiful thought. In reading today's psalm will be my daughter-in-law, Heather McAdam. To the choir master, according to the lilies, a maskal of the sons of Korah, a love song. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and consider, and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your Lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the people. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold. 
in many colored robes, she is led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. In place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. This tribute to the king is inspired by the Holy Spirit of prophecy to bring the testimony of Jesus, a greater king, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, who sits on the throne in Revelation 19.10. The New Testament confirms this in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Although this psalm may have been written for King David's wedding day, it is a wonderful hymn of praise to the King of Kings. Verses 10 to 15 reflect Christ's love for the church, his bride. The passage echoes the truth that the belovedness of Christ is imputed to the church and he takes delight in his bride. We conclude with a reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Let's thank the Lord for these kind of blessings. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for the revelation of your word. We thank you for Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, and his being able and willing to redeem us and restore to us that original inheritance forfeited through sin. We are grateful that Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. He fulfilled the law on our behalf, and he now offers us rest. May we become more like Jesus, the servant of all. Our hearts overflow with thanksgiving when we think of the perfections of our King. Thank you for the fellowship of believers, your church, the bride of Christ, the King. Fill us with your Spirit that our lives would speak of your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for being with us today. And if you would like more information or you would like a written copy of today's commentary, you can go to our website, newlife.org. Or you can write us with your questions and comments at podcast at newlife.org. May you be filled and overflowing with the knowledge of His love today. Shalom. Shalom.